Uh, every year, um, from the time I was a kid to, to, being, to, to being in high school and even now, um, every year uh, I would submit my, uh, my, my Christmas list to my parents. Now, I don't know about y'all, y'all may not do this, um, but sometimes people will like, will like make like a wish list and then like accidentally share the link with mom. And it's like, oops, okay, whatever, right? Um, but I remember as a kid, like I used to do this where I, I, made, I tried like the most subtle ways possible to make it known what I wanted for Christmas, right? Um, one year, I still remember, I was a freshman in high school, um, and my biggest thing that I wanted was I wanted my first cell phone. Now, I, I know p- people now get cell phones at like, Second grade, first grade, right? First communion presents, not quite. Um, it was, uh, and it wasn't. It wasn't a cell phone like it wasn't like the new iPhone. Um, we're talking about a gross one that like flipped and had buttons, you know. Um, so I remember I, I wanted my first cell phone because I was tired in co- in high school of uh, being the one that was at practice or at meetings after school and had to go use the landline, right? A landline is a thing that, like, it was a phone, like, attached to the wall, right? If you don't know what this is, right? I'm just making sure because I think we're aging, we're, we're bridging age gaps, right, tonight. Um, so I, I remember, like, we had to wait after school for the phone to then call out, to then call my mom, to then say, hey, come pick me up, instead of, like, you know, now just, hey, a text or a location and we're good to go. Um, but I remember I, one, this one year, it was my freshman year of high school, and I was trying to make it known I wanted a cell phone, I wanted a cell phone, I wanted a cell phone. I get to Christmas morning, and I'm like, all right, I'm excited because I'm about to get my cell phone. This is going to be great. My mom and dad, they put all the presents out. I go, I go open all the presents, and at the end, no cell phone. And I remember my mom was like, you happy? And I was like, oh, yeah, so much. Like, everything's so great. Thank you so much. I was a spoiled little brat, right? So this is, how we, this is where we're at. And I'm just like trying my best to be like, yeah, mom, thank you so much. This is awesome. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, I still have to use this stupid landline at school. This is not going to be fun. So I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, man, and I'm like starting to prepare for like what's going to happen and what's the next step and all these other things. And all of a sudden, in, from under the tree, like tucked away in the back, I start hearing the singular wireless ringtone. Now, you may not know what that is. That was like before AT&T, whatever. But like I still remember hearing this ringtone and just being like, that ain't my mom's ringtone. That ain't my dad's ringtone. That ain't my sister's ringtone. Where is it? <laughs> right? So now they're like, go find it. So I'm like digging, I'm digging, I'm digging. Little box way in the back. Sure enough, open it up. Brand new LG cell phone with, with a flip phone and it was a mirror on the front. It was the grossest little thing in the world, but it was mine. And I was so happy and I was so fired up. And I'm like, great, now I can use it. I open it up, I'm like, who am I call? No one. They called my grandma. Like, that was the best I got, right? I, I still remember, though, like, there was something about knowing I wanted something, expecting something, the disappointment that came from that, and, and then, like, the waiting, and then ultimately the payoff and the joy that followed. There, there's, a, there's a very, very clear, like, there was a very, very clear arc to my Christmas morning that year, Right? Where it was, I had an expectation, there was a letdown, because something wasn't fulfilled, and then there was the payoff. In, In the Gospel today, in the feast that we celebrate today, we may miss what's going on here. But that's the same kind of three step process that takes place for both Moses and Elijah. Right, like if we know, if we we may have know this story. We may have seen the images of the transfiguration, 
We might know what's going on. We just heard it in the gospel proclaimed, right? Like, but this is what's going on. And, and I don't think the meaning of Moses and Elijah showing up on this mountain would have been lost on Peter, James, and John. So, so let's break open the meaning of Moses being there and Elijah being there and what that might have to do with where Peter, James, and John find themselves. Firstly, we got Moses, right? We know Moses' story from the Old Testament. Moses was the leader of the Israelite people. He goes to Pharaoh. who They are enslaved by the Egyptians. He goes to Pharaoh. He says, let my people go so we can, be, so we can worship our God. The plagues, the Passover, the whole nine, right? They go out and they start to leave. The Red Sea opens up. They walk through. Egyptians try and follow and they get swallowed up by the Red Sea. Moses finds himself in the desert with his people and they're hungry and they're starving. God provides manna from heaven, the bread from heaven for them. They grumble. They're waiting for, they're waiting for God to do something for them. They know that there's promised land somewhere and they want Moses to just show up with a map because they're just wandering. God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. Moses sees that they have, he comes down off the mountain, sees that they have, they have abandoned their God, and they started worshiping a golden calf, breaks the Ten Commandments, he appeals to God on their behalf, gets a new set of commandments, and now they start to follow. So that's like Exodus in a nutshell. Just letting you know. Like that's the whole book of Exodus, right? According to Father J.D. Probably missed a couple of details, but we'll get to it. At one point, the end of the book of Exodus, though, what happens is Moses is Moses repeatedly, the whole time he's leading the Israelite people, the whole time, through all of their grumbling, through all of their complaining, through all of their faithful action and their, and their not-so-faithful action, right? Through all of it, Moses, we hear that he talks to God as if he's face-to-face. He's invited into, like, into the, the presence of God himself, and he talks to God as if he's face-to-face. Not that he is face-to-face with God, but it's as if he's face-to-face with God. And at one point, at the end of the book of Exodus, Moses says to God, I want to see your face. He says it, and he, he, he names his desire. Like, I want an iPhone, like, I want a cell phone for Christmas, right? Like, I want to see your face. Seems like a reasonable thing. We've been following you in the desert. We've been trying to be faithful. I want to see your face. And God's response to Moses is, no man can see my face and live. But instead, what I want you to do is I'll pass by you. I'm going to shield your eyes. And you can see my back. That's the best. It's the best I can give you. Because if you see me face to face, you'll die. Moses' desire is not being met. He just wants to see God face to face. Elijah. Elijah is God's chosen prophet. Elijah, one of the things about the prophets in the Old Testament, though, is most of the time, the prophets in the Old Testament, when they went to prophesy, when they went to talk to the people and tell the message that was being meant to be said, right? When they went out to actually do the job that God was asking them to do, most of the time the news that they were sharing was not very good. Usually it was warnings. Usually it was things of a job or a plague or something that's coming if you don't change. Usually they're going to the people that are supposed to be faithful and saying, 
you're wrong, you're not doing your job, so God's going to punish your people. Prophets were not the most popular people, just saying. So Elijah, he's told to go to the leaders of their group, to go to the leaders of their people and say, because of your lack of faithfulness, there will be a drought. Because you have turned to these other gods, these other idols, small g gods, these idols, Baal, and all these other people of the Old Testament, all these other, these other pagan gods, because you have turned to them, God is going to punish your people. And there's a standoff between him and the pagan priests and the pagan worshipers of, of Baal, and what happens is, is that he wins, they all are killed. And the leaders are not very happy with him. They want to get rid of him. They want to exterminate him. So he's on the run. He runs out into the desert. He hides in a cave. And in his desperation, he calls out to God and says, God, I want to see you. I want to see you. And then here's outside the cave an earthquake. But God's not in the earthquake. First Kings. He hears outside the cave a, a, a driving wind, and God, God's not in the wind. He hears outside the cave a big, a big booming fire, and, and God's not in the fire. And after all of the commotion and chaos settles outside, there's a small whisper. And that's where he finds God. God is present to him. And although Elijah wants to see him, he's just, he's just satisfied with hearing him. That's good enough for now. But he still wants to see him. A desire not being met. So when Jesus goes onto this mountain and he, he reveals his glory to his disciples, when he shows himself as the, like in all of his magnificence, all of his glory, when he says, I am who I say I am, I am the Son of God, I am the one who has come, I am the Messiah, I am God made man, on the mountain of transfiguration, there's a promise that's being fulfilled as well by Mo for Moses and for Elijah. Now the disciples would have known these things. The disciples were good Jews. The disciples knew that, that they knew their scripture, they knew their background, they knew their culture, they knew their heritage. So think about Peter for a second. He's watching this promise be fulfilled. He's watching Moses finally see God face to face. He's finally seeing Moses, like Moses is seeing Jesus, is seeing the face of God, and he's living. And it's like, wow, this is amazing, right? He, he finally sees Elijah that's, that just wants to hear God, wants to see God, wants to know God, and all of a sudden, boom, he can see him. And, and Peter is sitting there just in awe of this. This is in Matthew 17. We go back one chapter. In the Bible, there's this interesting episode that happens between Jesus and Peter. Peter says all the right stuff. Jesus looks at him and says, who do people say that I am? And he says, you are the Son of God. You are, the, you are God made man. And, Peter, and Jesus says, yes, you're right. And your name is Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And immediately after, he says, and the Son of Man comes into his glory by suffering and dying and rising. And Peter says, whoa, 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 come see, come see, Jesus, come see, come see. We're going to come over here. Look, 
you got to get like get past all this like dying and rising and all that kind of stuff. Like, don't talk about that. Like, you just talk about who you are. You don't need to talk about all this other stuff. And Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. Now, that's the last conversation that him and Jesus had before they go up this mountain. And the promise that's being fulfilled to Moses and to Elijah is also Jesus Jesus is saying, I'm God made man. And the voice of the Father says to Peter, this is my son. Listen to him. Peter is coming to the realization that Jesus is who he says he is and Jesus is going to accomplish his work the way that the Father is asking him to. I'm not in control. See, Peter wants to be in control. Peter wants to, wants, to, wants to have everything work according to his plan, according to what he thinks. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let me be in control. Now, all of this, all of these dynamics, are I know it's a lot of different pieces, it's a lot of moving parts, it's a lot of fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy and what's going on and what, what they're saying and what they're doing and all these kind of things. So what does it have to do with us, right? Well, I, I don't know about you, but I, there's times that I felt like Moses. Think about Moses for a second. Moses is the leader of a people, and they are constantly on him. They constantly want answers. They constantly want to move. They constantly want to do what, what they constantly want to not be lost anymore. They are constantly putting pressure on Moses to make something happen. So Moses is constantly feeling pressure. You ever feel that? But he knows where to go. Despite the pressure, he knows where his fulfillment lies. God, I just want to see you. Lord, I just want to see your face. I just want to be with you. Elijah is constantly being hunted. He is fearful. He is running. Just by doing what he believes God has asked him to do, he has been incriminated. Like it's, like it's incriminating him. He's being judged. He's being seen as a radical. He's being seen as somebody who just is trying to upset the status quo and that's it. He's seeing it, being seen as unreasonable. I, I don't know about you, but I felt that before that people have been judging me or looking at me or seeing me in those radical ways. And it's easy to get lost in it. But Elijah continue to search it, it continues to just search for the Lord. Peter just wants to be in control. Just wants God to listen to him. You do it as I ask. That's good enough. Like, Lord, look, I'm going to plan everything. I'm going to figure everything out. And then I'm going to come to you and I'm going to just present it. And then, like, you can, like, check mark it off and, like, tell me, yeah, good job and give me an A+. Plus, and now everything's good. And we're just going to go according to my plan when God's really going to look at him and say, that's not how this works. Right? Take your hands off the steering wheel. Let me drive. 
not Carrie Underwood stuff, right? Like, but like, let, let me be in control. You ever fight with God for control? I know I do. <laughs> what, what we see in the transfiguration, in this mystery, is we see that the fulfillment of all of the, the, the desire of our heart does not lie in our own ability. Does not lie in the way in which the world looks at us or judges us or expects of uh, what the world expects of us. It doesn't lie in my own ability to control and just guess perfectly. All of the desire of my heart, the fulfillment of it lies in relationship with the Father. In relationship with Jesus. Being on this side of the resurrection, we have an absolute gift that is presented to us. Because Jesus has left us himself. He's left us that glorified body, that resurrected body under the veil of bread and wine. That's why we're here tonight. That's why we have adoration chapels. Because when we enter into the Mass, when we enter into adoration, we are walking up the mountain of transfiguration and we're seeing God face to face. The desire that Moses expressed and begged for, the desire that Elijah begged for, the desire that Peter recognized but couldn't accept, right? That, that all of that is what we come to celebrate when we come to the Eucharist. And it's a taste of what we'll experience for all eternity in heaven. Thomas Aquinas explains and, and, and defines heaven as the beatific vision. The beautiful vision of God. <laughs> that for all eternity we would see God face to face. And every desire we could possibly have would be fulfilled in that. In Mass, that we're, we're coming to get a foretaste, like a small, 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 small portion of it. Because anymore we would be overwhelmed. Tonight as we come to Mass, not, not only do, are we invited into that vision, but we're also invited to be in touch with the desires of our heart. That as we come before God, as we come before the One that we love, as we come before the One who is the fulfillment of all of our desire, that we would be in touch with the desires of what do we want. So before we go on with Mass, just take a moment. If you could ask Jesus for anything, what would it be? Not, not like some kind of crazy genie. <laughs> Grant you three wishes and everything's good. Like truly, in the depths of your heart, if you could ask for anything, if you could see God face to face and ask Him, What's your deepest desire? And do you have faith that he could fulfill it? May tonight as we come to this Mass, we, we come knowing our desires, asking the Lord to feed us, asking the Lord to meet us, as we get the chance to see him face to face.